0: to do it? What? Bonus feature. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Rory. He set you up, but I was. I didn't know. Ball. What were you talking about? (laughs) I was on the bonus, Paul. Paul actually nailed it. That sounded identical to Rory's one. Yeah, it was good. Hello there, I'm Owen Doherty. I'm delighted to be joined by Rory Cashin and Paul Moore for yet another bonus feature here on The Big Review Ski. Um, This time we are delighted to... I'm fucking delighted about everything. Oh my God, I cursed, I'm sorry. Um, There's no sugar that time. (laughs) Definitely not. But uh, yes... This week we have the wonderfully talented Nora Toomey, who is the director of The Breadwinner, which is in Irish cinemas now. Uh, It was Oscar-nominated as well and has none other than uh, Angelina Jolie as one of the executive producers on the film as well. And it's made by the very, very just incredible team down at uh, Kilkenny's Cartoon Saloon. Um, So they're... (sighs) That's a good name for an animation company, Cartoon
1: Saloon. It's just it occurred is. to me. Mm. That's a good name. Yeah, because yeah, so it, like, it rhymes. Yeah, that's all. It, yeah, that's and it's all like, it takes. Like, is like, I'm picturing going down and like, there's those double doors. You'd see it like, like a, cowboy, a western, yeah. yeah. And you yeah. kick those in, and there's people inside, are, like scribbling. But because you're not part of. The town, they like They'll stop turn and around and down. like a Daffy Duck character to draw a gun and and fire it and yeah. like you know bang come out and yeah. someone's
0: playing a honky tonk piano in the corner and, and it they slowly stop.
1: stops <sighs> and Tandy Newton from Westworld is in there yeah and some of the others wait what are we talking about yeah sorry I'm going on a different see,
0: time. From, I'm don't pretty don't sure don't that's what the, the DeLorean is, like. is there so Kenny's like the different from, uh, tree. Uh, one <laughs> one <laughs> from the rest from the rest of us the Wild uh, West so uh I had a chance to sit down with Nora yes I understand. You had a chance to sit down. (laughs) I certainly did. And we chatted about uh, her inspiration for uh, The Breadwinner, um, why she wanted to work in the film. And uh, also just in terms of uh, her own interest in film, you know, live action and animation and just her experience. Because she started off just being uh, an incredibly, uh, you know, (laughs) talented artist who has now she pretty much heads up one of the most internationally renowned uh film studios in the world. Yeah. Um you know what people we, we are spoke talking. to
1: like some of the people from Pixar. Yeah. Like oh, you yeah. do, we should do an Irish film and they were like no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Cartoon Saloon's got that cover. That's the way we're, Exactly. Y- you're good. So, so when between, Pixar knows then you're on a good thing.
0: Pixar, Studio Ghibli, uh Dreamworks, Cartoon Saloon, you know, these uh guys are right up there. Uh pretty much at the the cream of the crap. Um, so she was absolutely wonderful to talk to. Uh, as I said, The Breadwinner is out in Irish Cinemas now and you can check out the full review on episode 19 of yeah. uh, of The Big Review Ski. But for now, enjoy my chat with uh, Nora Toomey. Nora, it's lovely to meet you and congratulations on The Breadwinner. I was wondering, um, it seems that animation's seem to take up a hefty chunk of people's lives whenever they're working on them, from previous animators that we've talked to, including your colleague Tom uh, Moore as well. But how long has The Breadwinner been a part of your life? Because we're here in 2018, so how many decades has it been?
2: No, relatively a short amount of time. It's only been uh, just over five years now, I think. So that's 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 a very short time scale for animators, yeah. You know, we live to be 120 in a way, so... <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, so, the, yeah, it's, it's taken up a short length of time. Uh, it didn't take that long to finance, and uh, I guess that the more films that we make, the the more oiled our machine becomes in terms of, like, we know what co-producers, you know, we're going to be able to work with for different projects, and we know where to get funding for different, uh, you know... Aspects of the of the film, so it becomes easier. The more the, the more films you make, the easier it becomes.
0: Is it difficult? You mentioned like a well-oiled machine there, because whenever I presume yourself and your colleagues started off, it's for a love of animation and a love of film and drawing and stories. Is it? You know, the more senior you become, the more experience you become. Is it? And you, you're involved more in the business side of it. Is it harder to kind of find that balance between? I want to go back to to doing exactly what I love again and the creative side of it as opposed to worrying about funding or financing and things like that. Is that a difficult balance to kind of to manage?
2: Right, You know, I found that it, it was kind of the opposite with us. Um, I think in the early days, we were all trying to be a little bit of everything. So, you know, I would kind of, you know, make a schedule and, you know, uh, try and figure out a budget and do some animation, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, clean the, the toilets,
1: you know, so, everything. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. literally everything. Um, so uh, th- then as we, uh, you know, as the, the company evolved and we, you know, we got a, a more stable, we were able to attract people to us who had different skill sets so that we were able to solidify in that kind of way so now we have you know we have our accounts team we have our you know head of business affairs we have you know people who handle different aspects of the business which means that we can all do what we're good at but we all still have an understanding of each other's roles you know in the the business so so in ways i get to do more of what i want to do but i mean what i want to do has kind of evolved over the years as well you know and you know i love uh, directing but i also love encouraging young directors in the studio and trying to uh encourage new you know um New stories, uh, new talents in the industry.
0: So, you don't have to clean the toilets anymore?
2: No, but I, I still do give them a little bit of a wipe down every now and again, yeah.
0: Ah, oh, there's no harm in that. <laughs> um, you mentioned five years then of your life for this particular uh, film. How easy or difficult is it to stay in love with a project like that every single day? And you know, you're waking up and you're going, still on this particular scene or this particular line of that, you know, there's something not working, you know, and it's a long period to be committed to, to anything really.
2: It is, uh, you know, once you, once you make that first decision and it's literally like falling in love, you have to absolutely fall in love with the characters of the story that you're telling, you know, and you, you have to know that that's going to sustain you over a number of years, you know? Um, so once you make that initial decision, uh, it becomes easier you know because everything else then is just problems to solve you know um, and because you're never stuck in one department you know you're stuck in one department for maybe six months or something like that but then it, you know you move on to the next thing you're always fooling yourself too that the next you know the next uh, stage in the filmmaking process is going to be easier of course it's always you know that little bit more difficult but um, but because you keep you know the the, the the film keeps evolving you move from rough storyboard to animation you know, to uh, compositing and sound design, it's always something different. You're always communicating something new to or maybe something old to a new team. You know, um, you are always uh, you always have that energy from a new department starting um, that feeds you, you know, as well as as a, as a director. Um so it's you know, it's it's always a challenge, um, up until the last day, you know, when you finish your final, you know, final bit of sound mix and, and there you go, you watch your film through. Um and then then of course it never feels like it's finished. You know, you literally have to be ripped from it, you know.
0: The first time you watched it through, whenever you had inverted commas finished and you're like, We've got it now were you sitting there and thinking, Okay, we need to go back and start changing a couple of things or were you like, No, first time through, satisfied, that's us ready to go.
2: Um, yeah I think you know you, you run out of time, you run out of money um, you, you, all the way through the filmmaking process you're you 're prioritizing okay saying okay, well, you know I could spend my money you know fixing this little thing here in the corner, or I could make sure that the performance of the character who 's in the center of the screen looks really well you know um, so you 're always making compromises you know but uh, but you 're always uh, choosing what to focus on as well you know that 's your job as a as a director, so when it 's time to to finish up yeah you stop you know I mean now I find it very hard to watch the film uh, because I do start re-editing or or remixing the sound you know and things like that in in my head but you know I I would never be one for going back in and doing a director's cut or anything like that you know I think that you know the the film that you make with the team that you had at the time is trapped in amber there you go that's that's where we were and that's what we did you know and I think you move on to a new thing then and, and create a new thing rather than creating several different versions of one thing
0: So there's no eight-hour director's cut of the breadwinner coming then, no? No, no. (laughs) And obviously stories and storytelling, uh, it's such a key part of what you do in your job, but also in the stories that you actually tell as well. And it's been predominantly Irish with your previous two cinematic releases or feature films. What was it about this scenario in Afghanistan that kind of spoke to you? And was there a connection between the Irish and the Afghans there?
2: Yeah, you know, um, when I first read Deborah Ellis's book, I was just, I just it, very excited by the way that she wrote for young people. You know, she doesn't talk down to younger audiences. She tries to um, present things in a way that they can begin to, you know, understand the world around them. You know, um, I never, f- I, I've never felt, I'm a mother myself, that that children, children should be shielded from from you know the 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 things that my challenge in, in this world you know and i very much feel that my 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 job as a mother is to um, to try to present things in a way that they can begin to understand, you know, the the, the world around them. So uh, I I see my role similarly as a, as a storyteller. You know, to, it's it's just we I mean, we all tell stories to try and make sense of things. Uh, you go home in the evening, you 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 know, you tell somebody how your day went. You're trying to make sense of the day. You're probably reconstructing it a little bit to try and make it a little bit more sane than it was. Um, but they, you know, they they were all storytellers, you know. So, um, so yeah. I mean, for me, they, they. Were, I mean, there were obviously, you know, um, I, I think that the Afghan people are a nation of storytellers. The Irish are similarly. So, you know, I think when you've uh, experienced trauma, either in your history or in your present circumstances, it, uh, you know, you can you can connect with that and feel that in a in another culture um, for me the opportunity to work with Afghan people to hear stories to make those stories part of, of the breadwinner to try and um, make you know again try to understand as best I could or to just to pose a question I mean the film for me is a is a, you know is a question you know um, I, I, the, the, the idea that you can follow this young girl through uh, you know a time of conflict um, and try to understand the world through her eyes and, and then to, to have an empathy with her is amazing but at the end of the day she's you know her. she's quite universal she's um she's a child who's you know flawed she fights with her sister she loves her dad you know and uh, so th- th- I, th- the idea of putting that on the screen was something that uh, that uh, was was uh challenging but was something that i, I love doing
0: a friend of mine um he can be a bit of an idiot and whenever it comes to films he's like well I'm not watching black and white films because they're old and I'm not watching animated films because they're for kids and you mentioned children there and by the way congratulations on all the previous awards and things I think there was a recent Czech award uh, for children's film as well would you describe The Breadwinner as a children's film and because you mentioned there how important it is for, for children to kind of not be you know one hundred percent shielded for the real things that are going on in the world. So would you say it is a you know for people who are looking to go and see the film that it is for children?
2: Yeah, I think we we aim the film very much at uh, the the audience for Deborah's book. So that would be you know um, from the age of about ten upwards. You know to adults as well. Honestly, I made the film for myself, so I entertained myself first and foremost. Um. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, from, from about the ages of 10 upwards, having said that, I mean, I've got, you know, two kids who are 10 and eight, they were much younger when we started out this film. I, uh, you know, uh, read the book with them. I, um, you know, showed them the animatics as we were making them. And again, you know, if children feel supported and they feel that you um, are helping them to understand something, then, then then they're not you know oftentimes children are traumatized by supernatural elements in, in stories or adults are, are traumatized by thinking about what children are you know experiencing while watching something uh, but oftentimes you look at children's drawings you you know the things that they that that scare them you know can be quite different from what you think are, is going to scare them so you know the the only thing i know about children is that they continue to surprise me
0: whenever your own kids were watching it, or early versions, or listening to to you reading the book, did they have any kind of input that you thought, oh, that's actually, that's really good insight as well, you know, or like an influence over the way that you make the film then?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely, you know, and I, you know, I, I, we tested the film at an early stage, not just with my own children, but with um, school children from, you know, around Kilkenny uh, in, in Canada and around the world, you know, so we wanted to make sure that the film was universal and that it spoke to, to everybody, you know, as, as, as much as, as it could. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've certainly found out lots of things just by being a mom, you know, kind of thing. Um, uh, But again, we, we always wanted to hit, you know, find universal things with, with the character of and the way that the, f- the family did. Work so even though Pirana is quite specifically Afghan and she might, uh, for instance, put her the needs of her family above her own uh, needs, you know, or wouldn't you know uh, would, would um, see her her needs as an individual, uh, uh, you know, um, see, see the needs of her family as being something that 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 uh, that tops that in a way, I suppose. Um, but but also like I said, we we found many things that were were really universal, like the relationship between siblings and that. So um so yeah,
0: to the closest million. How many times do you think you've been asked about Angelina Jolie and her involvement in the film from either journalists or friends and family and people who just take an interest in the fact that one of the world's biggest stars decided to take an interest and then be actively involved in, in an Irish film?
2: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's an interesting aspect of the film and, you know, she became involved um Uh, knowing that that she could shine a light on the film, you know, Um, she's been involved with film all her life. You know, she has been she grew up in the industry in in Hollywood, but also understands uh, independent filmmaking and understands that um, that films like The Breadwinner don't uh, normally get a lot of attention, you know, so so for her to come on board and, um, you know, become an executive producer in the project and to help guide the project, you know, um, was a tremendous uh, boost and support for the for the film and she helped with everything from you know guiding on the casting to again just making sure that we had that sensibility uh, in the film that kind of spoke of hope you know she wanted very much to get that across in, in, in the film um so yeah i mean the filmmaking is incredibly collaborative anyway you know um so it was it was it was it was great to 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 work with her on the film she came and stood on the red carpet with her with her cast in toronto at the the international uh, premiere of the film which was amazing and she has done many times since as well so you know for her, for her to be involved in the film with the breadwinner, is, it's, it's it's amazing. But she's, you know, she's um, she set up a girls school in Afghanistan over a decade ago. She's somebody who has an interest in the, the rights of, of children around the world and not just in Afghanistan. Um, but, yeah, she's been amazing. We also have an executive producer, Mimi Gitlin, on the film who produced Thelma and Louise, so for me it was a big kick, you know, because, you know, Thelma and Louise came out, I think, in my late teens or early 20s, and seeing, you know, two female characters portrayed in that way it was revolutionary, so to see, you know, a producer from that come on board and The Breadwinner, you know, feels like a great full circle for me. For me,
0: Definitely, uh, starstruck by, by both of them. Do you actually remember the first time you met uh, Angelina Jolie in person? Mm-hmm. And what was, what was that like? Because I suppose whenever you hear that, oh, Angelina Jolie might be interested. It's like, ah, yeah, yeah like Grant. Yeah, whatever, April Fool's or whatever. But do you remember that first time that you actually met her?
2: I do, yeah. We 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 talked about it. Um, it, We had two other executive producers, Jahan Nujem and Karim Amir, who had made a documentary called The Square about the uprising in Egypt a couple of years uh, before. They had, were working on something with Angelina and managed to get the screenplay in front of her. So I got a call to, to go and meet with her. Um, So I hopped on a plane and... <laughs> And uh, went to meet her and was, yeah, with just, you know, a bag of nerves going into that, that meeting. But luckily I got a bit lost on my way into the meeting, so I was just so glad to actually turn up, you know, at the right place that I kind of forgot who I was meeting, you know, kind of thing. For, so for the first couple of minutes, uh, and again, you see, she looks so familiar that you think you know her, you know, kind of thing. So it's, you know, several sentences in before you realize, oh my God, I'm sitting opposite Angelina Jolie, you know, um, talking about my film, <laughs> you know, so... Um, but she was a very down to earth, very warm person, you know, and, and very intelligent, you know, so um, so it was easy. She was an easy person to 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 talk with. And uh, she's somebody who loves filmmaking as well. So all of the ins and outs of um, storyboarding and all that kind of stuff. And she was familiar with animation, of course, because she uh, did the voice of Tigress and Kung Fu Panda films. Um, so um, so it was a very easy relationship, you know, and continued to be all the way through the process.
0: That's the kind of thing. If someone says oh, Angelina Jolie wants to meet you, you're like, it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you are in the world, you're like, I'm going to hop on that plane and I'm going to I'm going to go straight there. That's fine. I can be there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's
2: what I did. Yeah, I, mean, I pretended I was in town on business, but I'd actually just specifically just hopped on a plane just to just for that one meeting. Yeah.
0: Oh, really? So she thought you were there anyway? Yeah, yeah.
2: It was all non- nonchalant, <laughs> except for the beads of sweat dripping down yeah. from or, You know, having turned up at the wrong place initially, yeah. but
0: and the hand luggage and everything. <laughs> um, in terms of future projects after The Breadwinner, are there other stories, whether Irish or further afield, that have kind of caught your eye that, uh, that you thought, yes, this could be a really interesting project to be involved with next? And as you said, because this is a long process or five years worth, are you always kind of like one eye on the next one as well? Or how does that process work?
2: yeah it is a it is a long process and you never know what's going to go and when it's going to go like when what's going to start so i actually began a project before the breadwinner called my father's dragon which is based on a 50-year-old uh, children's book uh in america or american children's book by an author called ruth stiles gannett um we're uh, producing that with mockingbird films uh, with a writer a screenwriter um meg Lefauve, who wrote with on pixar's inside out and also on uh, Captain Marvel, so we began that process quite a, a few years ago. But we we're, we're, that's um, that's certainly the next film that I'm um, interested in, in directing. Uh, Tom is working on Wolfwalkers right now, which is uh, the third in the kind of Celtic mythology trilogy of you know films that he's, he's making, and he's right in the thick of that now with uh, Ross Stewart, who was the art director on The Secret of Kells, and is now his co-director on on Wolfwalkers.
0: You mentioned Pixar there, and obviously. It's an amazing achievement for uh, an Irish uh, company to be recognized internationally as well. And we said the awards are there. And I'm not sure how important awards or that type of recognition is for yourself personally. But to be triple nominated for Oscars as well um, is an amazing achievement. But what is that relationship like with international animation companies, especially ones like Pixar, who seem to you know consistently take home those big prizes as well. Is it a is it a close knit international community where everyone's kind of rooting for each other, or is there that competitive element there as well? I
2: uh, know. I mean, for for us, like the nomination is, is a big win because that means that people are going to be talking about the film. You know, people are going to uh, might see it that might otherwise not have you know uh, even been aware of its existence. So for us, that's the big thing. We try and capitalise on that as much as we can. Anything outside of that is a complete bonus, so you know we don't even go there. You know, in, in terms of uh, uh, thinking about it, but it, I haven't said that. Like I've, I, you know, with uh, with the breadwinner and also with Song of the Sea and Secret of Cells, uh Pixar have invited us in. We go and show the film there. We, uh, you know, uh, talk about the filmmaking process. We've, you know, many friends uh, working in, in Pixar and, and Disney and DreamWorks around you know and and, and different uh, studios. Um, so they've always been incredibly welcoming, um, and uh, you know, just animators are animators, you know. <laughs> so whether they're working in you know independent film or working for the, the the larger studios, you know, it's it's all it's all the it's all the same language, you know. So
0: you're all the same breed, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. we all have glasses and kind of look a bit nerdy, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And um, do you have a particular favorite film from other studios, like Pixar, for example, that you kind of? You know, whenever you've worked on your own films and then you sit down at home, maybe with your kids and you're like, let's stick on DVD or whatever. And then you sit back and you go, wow, this is a beautiful piece of filmmaking.
2: Yeah, I love the Toy Story trilogy. I especially love Toy Story 3, which is Leon Cridge's uh, uh, film. Um, uh, because again it's one of those films where you wonder where they could possibly take it and then they take it to some place absolutely amazing and brilliant you know Um, so that's of of the Pixar films I'd say that would be one of my favourites I love the films of Studio Ghibli so uh, My Neighbour Totoro um, uh, Grave of the Fireflies Um, spirited away you know out of these these films so um, other than that it kind of changes you know from year to year and you know we we all latch on to different stories at different times in our lives like different stories have resonances with us Uh, so um, yeah I you know just this weekend I watched uh, Kung Fu Panda 2 uh, uh, again with my uh, with my youngest son and absolutely loved it and again we're tearing up you know and love love that feeling of you know being emotional and watching and uh, watching a, a really good film
0: like uh Kung Fu Panda that trilogy the some of the set pieces in that there are just uh, phenomenal as well but that kind of she said tearing up that balance of like getting the relationships and the emotions just right as well are there any particular live action films that you're a, a big fan of or are you like no it's animation only <laughs>
2: No, no, I you know I think I probably have more live action references when I go into a project than than uh, than animation. Uh, for the breadwinner, uh, I remember looking at um, an Iranian film uh, called *A Separation*, which is a beautiful, beautiful film again about a kind of family relationship, very relatable. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, you know it's, it's a very kind of relatable subject matter. Um, looking at uh, *Pan's Labyrinth*, uh, I and I got to meet uh, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, just back in, yeah, during the awards season. So got to talk to him about animation. He's a huge you know, fan of, of of everything animated um, and, and got to tell him what an influence like his work was on on not just my work, but our work in in, in Cartoon Saloon. Um, yeah, I love uh, films like um, Night of the Hunter, which is you know, really, uh, you know, a film by Charles Lawton. But again, very beautiful film, very uh, influential for um, my work and their work in Cartoon Saloon. Yeah, I could go on. I
1: don't
0: know. Yeah. Um, You mentioned Guillermo del Toro there, uh, and award season, and obviously you attended the Oscars. A couple of things about that. One, uh, how was the goodie bag? Uh, <laughs> well, how was that? First of all, do you still still picking into that and going, or do you get it back through Aer Lingus or whatever? <laughs> okay, they let you take it home. Do
2: you know what they did at the at the Oscars? They had um, uh, just a really uh, good bag, which was just food. Just food because you get to five hours, you know, of a a ceremony. So it had lots of, you know, nice, dense, you know, nuts, packs and things like that, things that weren't going to make a whole amount of noise that you could eat fairly discreetly and that was going to keep you going so you wouldn't be dying of, you know, fainting fits or anything like that in your, you know, your (laughs) your corset dresses or whatever, you know so um, yeah no, it was an interesting night you know, it was, you, know yeah, you get to see all manner of famous people and try and quickly figure out what the hell you're going to say to them as you kind of you know stumble up towards them so
0: yeah uh, is it a bit of a surreal experience there and you know seeing people I know Angelina Jolie, uh, you met her previously, but whenever you say, you know, you see people and you've recognized them and you've watched them for years and you're like, I know these people, this would be fine to talk to them (laughs) now, but uh, was there anybody in particular who you kind of saw and you were like, I need to talk to that person tonight?
2: Um, I got to talk to Francis McDormand. Uh, yeah, we, we actually got locked out of the room together. So, because they, they, they so it's five hours. So unless you have a fairly seriously heavy duty bladder, it's not going to last you for five hours. So you do have to leave at some point. So, but then uh, they close the doors and then you can't get in until the next commercial break, basically. So, so uh, yeah, so myself, my husband, uh, Michael, got locked out with, uh, with Francis McDormand, which was really nice. That was really nice because, you know, Um, Yeah, she's a very, very nice lady, very down to earth. And we were just talking about how surreal the whole thing was and was asking her if she gets used to it or, you know, she said, you never do so. So uh, yeah, I got to um, chat briefly with uh, Roger Deakins as well, cinematographer. Um, who well, he
0: finally won as well.
2: He did, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got to chat with to him before he won so I on his on his uh, big night. So I knew him before he won his Oscar. <laughs>
0: so. Actually, did you were you talking? Were you locked out of the room with Frances McDormand before she won her her Oscar?
2: Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So and then she had that lovely moment where she asked all the female nominees to stand up. So you got to stand up and re- re- realize. There were you know there were few enough of us in the in the room together, but it was nice you know it was it was a really good moment and she uh, she's again somebody who very much uses her influence in 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 the industry for 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 a good you
0: know oh, she seems like a a force of nature as well as being an incredibly talented uh Actor as well. What what did that moment feel like? Whenever she did ask all the females uh, to stand up, and you kind of do that look around, you like seeing because you've got people like Meryl Streep obviously, you know all these kind of wonderfully uh, talented people. Did it did it feel special in the room at the time?
1: It
2: did, yeah. But and again, I, I suppose it was uh, um, indicative of my experience as a female filmmaker and realizing that other female filmmakers are very very supportive, and then realize that that I have a a duty and a responsibility to the female filmmakers that I know to, con- you know, to, to encourage as much as I can and to, um, you know, to, to speak up as much as I can as well, you know, um, for the next generation. So that hopefully in 10 or 20 years time, if you make a film and you happen to be female, it's not going to be an issue. You know, no one's going to point it out as being unusual or strange.
0: Well, um, I suppose one majorly uh, positive step in the right direction was Greta Gerwig getting nominated for Ladybird for, oh uh, no, sorry, but, uh, sorry, Saoirse Ronan getting nominated as well. Have you, you haven't worked with Saoirse Ronan, is that, you know, in terms of Irish talent, and uh, I know Brendan Gleeson, Lisa Hannigan have been involved, um, is Saoirse Ronan someone that you would be interested in terms of uh, working as a, as a voice actor?
2: Oh, absolutely. She's an incredible talent and I've watched her all, you know, her career ever since, you know, atonement, you know, and she has such an incredible talent. And yes, I got to finally meet her. I think it was the, the nominees lunch where they get, you know, to, all the nominees get to, to stand up and you get her picture taken together. So, uh, so yeah, it was lovely to to chat to her. But yes, I would absolutely, she'd be somebody who I would love to, to working with in the future.
0: Did you have a speech ready for the night? <laughs>
2: I have I have a speech which you just cross out the name of whatever, you know, (laughs) know, whatever event that you're at and you can just like, you know, swap it out for another, you know, for another uh, one. So. um, So, yeah, I mean, for 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 everything, you you you're prepared for all possible eventualities or, you know, possibilities. So um, but yeah, but, you know, as it happened, we just got to enjoy the night.
0: Uh, last but not least, did you ever have that moment during an interview when you're talking to someone and you're like, this voice, we could potentially use this voice in our next film? I asked John Lassert that question years ago and he said, no. It <laughs> hasn't happened to him <laughs> yet.
2: Um, you know, the, 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 the actors, you know, there there are so many. Right. <laughs> there. Okay. I can't say, you no know, that I've ever, yeah, during an interview um, had oh, that experience, oh, but you never know. You never know.
0: Well, there's hope for the future yeah. anyway. Um, well, we look forward to uh, everything that's up next and uh, future Oscar nominations and Oscar wins and other awards and recognition as well. But uh, Nora, thanks a million for chatting us and congratulations on the breadwinner.
2: Thank you very, very much. Pleasure talking to you.
1: There you are now.
0: <laughs> well, that's that. You yeah, a well.
1: bonus feature.
0: <laughs> there we go. So I, don't f-
1: don't forget everyone. Oh, rate yes.
0: rate subscribe
1: subscribe uh, on Apple and also on the not Apple on apple. the also not Orange
0: Apple. No, don't Android? confuse people. It's an Apple and Orange joke. There anyway. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> bye bye.